The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Thanks for coming back to the show, you know I always appreciate it. My guest this week is going to be another one of the long-term APP faces. So just like I talked to Gus and wanted to get, kind of get his experience over years and years of coming to conference and you know being there since the beginning, I wanted to talk to my guest this week also, Darren Walters. Uh, Darren is someone that I've seen at every single conference that I've been to, um, and he's been in the industry for a long time, even before there was an, an APP. So he started his studio in the 1980s. He was right there at the inception of the, the APP and the first conferences, and he was one of the first volunteers helping out behind the scenes to make everyone else's week uh, as solid as possible. Uh, that's where I met Darren. I met Darren at conference, uh, but then I started to you know get to know him a little bit better when I, I went out to his studio in California. Uh, one of his long-term staff members, Tiana McGuire, is a really close friend of mine, and I went out to California to, uh, to visit Tiana and hung out at their shop quite a bit, and I just really enjoyed the environment that, uh, that Darren creates. He tries to really foster the, the staff members and their individuality. So it's not just all about, uh, you know, Darren's shop and Darren's presentation. He's very open to taking other people's ideas and incorporating them into the studio. And he's got a really diverse staff. Uh, Pablo Peralmuda works there. A bunch of other piercers come through, whether it's on like regular shifts or, uh, or guest spots. And it's just really diverse for the staff, but also for the clientele. You know, it really helps to, to make them feel uh, included because they see all the different staff members kind of coming through there. And I think that's really important, especially for someone who's been in the industry for such a long time. You don't want to stay really rigid. Uh, you know, I, I'd imagine if Darren was still running a 1980s style shop in 2019, he wouldn't be as successful as he is now. Uh, he's grown his shop, he's moved his shop, he's taken on more staff. And I think a big part of that is trying to step outside of yourself, uh, better yourself as a person, better yourself as a professional, inspire the people around you to, to do the same thing. And that's also something that Darren has done uh, at conference, you know, trying to help out as many new attendees as possible uh, and just kind of uh, prepare the next generation for their leadership of this industry and this community. So we'll get into that interview in, in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but first, I'm going to answer a little bit of Q&A. Okay, so uh, a question I've been getting a lot lately is about gentian violet and it's been linked to causing cancer uh, in an online study. So you're going to hear me kind of clicking and clacking away on my keyboard because there are a lot of things that I want to reference when I talk about this. So if you just Google in uh, gentian violet causes cancer, you'll find this, uh, this article and it's entitled Evidence on the Carcinogenicity of Gentian Violet. It's a study from August of 2018 and uh, I don't know why people just you know, they find something on Facebook uh, and it could be from a year ago or it could be from 10 years ago and then they explode, their hair uh, catches on fire. Um, there was a, a big hubbub about it. Uh, I think they referenced this study 
at some sort of health conference in Canada recently. And then that conference kind of started pushing along this narrative of we have to ban gentian violet, we have to ban gentian violet. But if you do a little bit of digging online, you're also going to find articles that say gentian violet cures cancer, kills cancer, fights cancer. Uh, there's another article entitled Gentian Violet Deep Purple Dye Kills Some Cancer Cells Early Research Finds. And uh, someone might say, whoa, you know, that article's from 2018. But it's from September 2018, and the one that says gentian violet causes cancer is from August 2018. So, you know, go ahead and, and I guess read more than one thing. Now, in the study that says it's linked to cancer, uh, very few people actually read this thing. There's a really long table of contents and uh, quite a few uh, appendixes, appendices, uh, and pretty much everything that I'm reading in here that says uh, in the, the study where it was linked to cancer, all of it is through ingestion of concentrated gentian violet over up to 24 months in lab rats. So that means that uh, they're not just putting a dot on a, a mouse. They're forcing mice to eat concentrated gentian violet for up to two years. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, like, I'm not going to say that that's like dismissive of this article, but you have to realize that this in no way is representative of how the body art industry uses a product like gentian violet. Uh, when we're using it, it's either going to be a tattoo stencil or it's going to be that purple dye in the markers that we use or uh, the just the regular old gentian violet that you can get in a pharmacy. You dip a toothpick in it and you put a dot on somebody. That in no way is going to be the same kind of concentration as someone ingesting concentrated gentian violet for days, weeks, months, years on end. Uh, also, part of the study says that uh, developing mice were exposed to concentrated gentian violet in utero. That means while it was forming from an embryo into a, a mouse, into a rat, that's when it was exposed to concentrated gentian violet. Uh, I'm not shocked that that caused cancer. Uh, when you freak out about stuff like this, it, it's just bad for the entire industry. Read a couple articles, dig a little bit deeper. Um, there are all different kinds of uh, health organizations out there that, that still say gentian violet is a viable product for uh, using in antifungal applications. It's still suggested by, by things like the Mayo Clinic for uh, oral thrush in babies. They're saying if your baby has a, an, a, an oral yeast infection, essentially, you can put gentian violet in the baby's mouth to counteract the fungal infection. Uh, I'm pretty sure that, you know, after a year or so of a, a study coming out that says it causes cancer, that they would probably change their recommendations. Now, keep in mind when I say a lot of this stuff, I am not a doctor. I am not a researcher working in a laboratory. I am not a chemist. So don't take my word as gospel. Think for yourself. Do your own research. You can Google. You can contact these uh, these organizations that have released these studies. You can get more information. Dig deep. If you don't understand a term you're reading in these studies, Google that term. Uh, read the definition of it. Figure out what it means. Don't just kind of jump on a bandwagon and freak people out. Because what happens is it's going to trickle down to Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook. Clients are going to think that we're on purpose giving them cancer because we're still marking them with something that's purple. It's really irresponsible for people to just freak out. You know, they read something that says, hey, I heard a thing. And then they're like, oh, did you hear about this thing? Um, really, have some deductive reasoning. Like, research this stuff. Check it out, okay? Uh, if you're freaked out about gentian violet giving you cancer, how many of you have ever been marked with gentian violet? How many of you have ever had a, a tattoo stencil put on you? That's gentian violet. Uh, how many of you got cancer from it? You know, um, 
I, I don't like to be like totally dismissive of people's concerns. Yes, there was a study that linked to it. Gentian violet has been linked to causing cancer, yes. But uh, just keep in mind of how many other things that we use on a daily basis that are also the same kind of tenuous link to cancer. Um, I pulled up another chemical uh, evaluation sheet. Uh, and this article is entitled, Cancer from Chemicals? These household products are known carcinogens. And it's accurate, they are known carcinogens. And let me just read off some of the other things that cause cancer if you're freaked out about gentian violet. Uh, air fresheners, breathing in the chemicals in an air freshener. Uh, lots of your different household cleaning products. Uh, dryer sheets, dryer sheets have been linked to cancer. Uh, pesticides, not a shock there because that stuff's poison. Food dye, you know, all those different yellow number this and red number that, a lot of those are carcinogenic and you feed them to your kids. Uh, so try not to freak yourself out too much. Pet flea collars, again, that's poison, so I'm not shocked there. Facial moisturizers, you're rubbing it on your face. Talcum powder, there was a, a lawsuit uh, I believe last year, where someone got a big payout because they were using talcum powder on their genitalia for something like 20 years and it was proven to have caused a certain type of cancer. But, uh, you know, go ahead and keep, uh, you know, putting that on your baby's butts. Laundry detergent, been linked to cancer. Nail polish and nail polish fumes have been linked to cancer. Incense that you're breathing in in your goddamn house or apartment. So really, uh, when you when you look at articles, scientific articles, uh, it's one study. It's one study. There's going to be future study on this this issue. Uh, cut that in half, what they what they did to these mice, you know, forcing them to ingest concentrated gentian violet over such a long period of time. Uh, even half that probably wouldn't cause those same levels of cancer. We're talking about a drop of gentian violet at best, uh, and when you spread it out into a, a tattoo stencil, really all that gentian violet condensed is still probably going to only be about a drop, even for a giant piece. Uh, and a lot of times we're applying this to intact skin. Then we're kind of cleaning the area. We're removing some of that gentian violet, actually. So by the time we actually puncture the skin with that tattoo needle, with that piercing needle, there's going to be an incredibly small amount of gentian violet. And it's going to be far less gentian violet than some medical organizations are suggesting you drop in your baby's mouth to fight fungal infections. So please, try not to freak yourself out. Try not to make yourself look uneducated. I'm not saying you have to be dismissive of studies like this, because studies like this do exist for a reason. But really, have a realistic concept of, of risk. Um, get comfortable with reading multiple articles. Look at the dates on the articles you're reading please uh and and do your own research don't just don't just you know take my word for it don't just take somebody else's word for it in a facebook forum do your own research if you want to stop using gentian violet no worries switch over to something else use red sharpies call viscot uh, you can get all different kinds of markers from them that aren't made with gentian violet they're definitely going to cash in on this uh, as like a medical scare and they're going to say now without gentian violet and you can get this purple marker that costs five times as much um, but again, you know, just be realistic about it. Uh, I don't want any clients out there freaking out and thinking they're going to get cancer because they, they got a body piercing last year or something like that. And we're all ignorant because we've still been using this cancer causing toxic element. So, uh, again, please just be rational about it. But, uh, that's my question for this week. 
So before I get into uh, this week's interview with Darren Walters, I just want to uh, remind everybody that I have some classes available. You can either go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars, or you can follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. Uh, I've got a class coming up on Monday, August 26th in Gambrels, Maryland. And then I have another class the next week on Sunday, September 1st in the Chicago area. Both of those are going to be my triple seminars. I'm going to be doing uh, an anatomy presentation, a septum presentation, and then depending on which class you come to, uh, maybe a section on nipple piercing or maybe a section on doth piercing, date piercing, however you want to pronounce that word. And that is part of the presentation. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to those. They're they're filling up very quickly. The Maryland class, I've got around 20 people. The Chicago class, I've got somewhere around that too. And I think the Maryland class, I, I don't know if I can take much more than maybe 25. So that one's going to be getting close to a cutoff already. So if you're interested in going to that uh, that seminar in Gambrels, Maryland at, at Freya Body Piercing, go ahead and uh, get, get yourself registered for that. You can email me at ryanpba at gmail.com if you want to register, if you want to get any more info. The Chicago class, with the venue, I think I can take up to 40 people. So I'm maybe around halfway booked for that Chicago class. Uh, but I would like to get as many people in there as possible. The The last Chicago area class I did was one of my favorites. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that group of piercers again and uh, sharing some new information. It'll be uh, updated information compared to when I went last time I did the bevel theory class. This is going to be a, a new day of, of new classes. So really looking forward to that. Uh, I also want to just mention again, uh, Patreon. Uh, I, I really appreciate the support. Not to say that like, you know, I'm trying to do this for money, but there are some costs that go along with it. And I really appreciate anyone uh, kind of sponsoring the show and uh, helping out to, you know, take care of some of those costs for me. So I, I want to thank our new Archmage level uh, sponsor, and that's Zadimer Jewelry. Uh, definitely uh, want to say thank you to everyone who has uh, who has contributed to the the Patreon page. Uh, Jacob Kreps uh, also signed up as a, a patron recently, and uh, I, I just really appreciate it. So you can go to Patreon.com/RyanPBA if you're interested in supporting the show. Uh, but if not, I'm still going to be putting it out there for free. So uh, thanks for listening. But let's go ahead and get into that interview with Darren Walters, and I'll be back a little bit at the end. Well, my name is Darren Walters. I'm the owner of Blue Star Tattoos and Body Piercing. Uh, we've been around since 1980. Um, let me see. What else can I say about it? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, all that. You can find us on Blue Star Tattoos. Um, you know, been a member from the APP since the beginning. Um, let's see. I'm kind of the Susie Lucci of the board. I've uh, been nominated several times and never won, so that's always kind of funny, you know, in some ways and sad in others, but um, probably the very first uh, underground volunteer. I've done that for many years for Caitlin, and then now she's kind of made a little special group just for that, but I still do underground volunteering all the time there. Uh, conference has been, to me, it's the most exciting time because it's the only time that I can personally come and meet piercers that in the be in the old days or the beginning, as you would say, you got to see the guys on BME that you you talked to. You, right. you, you basically you were in the chat rooms going back and forth, but you never really got to meet them. 
and you know and, and they had like you know barbecues you could go to but if they're in chicago and you're in california yeah it's not really attainable yeah yeah you know and the ones in california they were too far apart you know somewhere in la i'm up in northern california in the san francisco bay area Mm -hmm. about 27 miles outside of san francisco and so you know it was nice to come to conference and now you put a face with that that person you were talking to her and then you see that sometimes the the picture they had on BME is totally, you know, different than they are in person. Yeah. They're now skinnier, fatter, bigger. Right. They were wearing a costume or they were at a, you know, doing something depending on if they were a performance artist or whatever. So it was really good to meet them. And then every year it was just always exciting to come in and meet new people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just kind of like I tell people, you get to network and grow your, your networking base. And, and that way when you, you know, it's just like if you had a problem with a, you know, a client had a problem with a piercing and they call you, I don't know where to go. Like, oh, where you at? Okay, you can go over here. Go to Ryan Roulette's shop. You mm-hmm. know, go into Lisa Carnita's shop. Go mm-hmm. to, you know, here's, you know, you just have people you could send them to and you knew you could trust them to take care of your customer. Yeah. You know, and then you just, and it's kind of neat because, you know, a lot of people, I think, uh, they come to conference, they're excited about conference, but conference has changed so dramatically right. from, the beginning to end because we'll talk uh, about it, what it was like a little bit at the beginning because I know it, it started as more of like a meetup kind of a thing. So well, the first, the very first one was I would say was kind of a meeting. It was yeah. just a gathering, you would want to say, and you know it was kind of like basing. You know, there's only you know there's not very much. You know, just more of get together. Mm-hmm. Where originally I found, I you know I met Steve Joyner and um, you know and, and a couple other people. Um, some probably don't remember that day. Um, and then, you know, as the next one came, the next one came, you know, then we went to Florida. Mm-hmm. And that's usually where most people think that's the very first one because that's the very first one we had started having classes at. Yeah. And so people were like, oh, cool. And then from there, the classes kept kind of getting a little bit involved, you know, not too bad. And then, you know, you had Bethra come in and you had Elaine Angel come in and, and you know, really kind of do a makeover i would say you know of of how classes were done and Mm -hmm. how it was set up and you know we came back to vegas uh a lot of people don't realize vegas is kind of the it's geared towards conventions so it's kind of the cheapest place to come for a convention even though people will argue but we've looked i know that you know the conference committees looked at new orleans and florida and and Florida costs us a lot more money than coming to Vegas. And, you know, there's just a lot of things. So economically, it's, it's always been nice to be in Vegas. All your international people can get flights to Vegas yeah. really quick and yeah. easy. And there's a lot of things that it has its benefits for. You know, and that's like, you know, when at the end of every conference, you know, they started asking you, what would you like to see better? What would you like to improve? And as you've done that, everything has changed from conference. I mean, I remember the days when... Sh- You'd come to register, and you'd be almost at registration almost all day. It yeah. was just well, because just, back then it was kind of the the board of directors that had to do a lot of that work. There correct. wasn't really right the volunteer it, system. Well, you know, and then you had you know, then you had, you know, as it progressed, you know, you had some certain people that kind of standed. I would say stand out in the registration that you kind of when you expect to see. I mm-hmm. guess. I mean, in my opinion, you know, I was always looking for Sarah Woodson. Yeah. Because I could always know, like, okay, if I need to answer a question about registration, she was the one I went to, you know, mm-hmm. and so she could be like, and boom, you would, she'd have it. You know, Anna York was there all the time. You yeah. know, you could ask her. How, and if they didn't know, they, at least they could direct you in a place to get the right information. Yeah. And, you know, and through the years, you would see as we've grown, you know, registration now, like this year, holy macro, I mean, 
they had it done within no time. It was like, yeah, you know, it was just, just like, zip you in, zip you out. Zip you out. I mean, yeah. while then everybody was like zipping and then everybody was rushing over to the merch counter because someone made a special edition box mm-hmm. that everybody was trying to get. Didn't make any 3X boxes, but okay, you won't hear a bitch by me, but... Next year. You know, there was a lot of people that, you know, hey, what about us big, tall guys, you know? But, uh, you know, but you just saw, it just seemed like it was just how we grow each year. Mm -hmm. And when I tell people, that's why it's very important to fill out surveys about conference. I don't care if it's the good, the bad, or the ugly. Yeah. The, the board that oversees the conference looks at every single one of those. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might think it's stupid or nitpicking, or but they look at the pros, they look at the bad, they look at the ugly, they try to improve it, they say, what could we have done better? And usually you've had policies come out of that that then make the next conference smoother and better. You know, if, I always tell people, if you have a, a thought for a class, submit it. You know, if you think, you know, you've never seen that class before, and you want to see it, we'll submit it. Because mm-hmm. I said, you know, there's a lot of core classes we have, but then the other classes are usually from somebody saying, you know, I haven't seen this in conference, and I think I could teach that really well, and, you know, I'm going to put that in. And they might sit there and go, okay, we found another person that really wanted to do that, mm-hmm. so we're going to make her your or him your co-instructor, and you can take this, and we'll, you'll do it in conference. And yeah. then... You know, they do it in conferences, and next you know, you have some people that just excel at teaching and teaching really well, and they, they do a great job at mm-hmm. it. You know, and then you have some that, you know, they thought they would like it, and they said, oh, I'll never teach again. And they're like, oh, yeah. your class was so good. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I just, I, I was so, I, I thought I was going to have a heart attack Yeah, right there. I think some of the you know, instructors have anxiety issues, especially if they're not comfortable with public speaking yet. Right, and, you know, and I said, well, you know, the only way we get over that is to do it again. They're like, you know, they're just like, you know, like, right. okay, well, you know, and you don't, you don't push those people, but, you know, but sometimes when people will ask me, they're like, God, I didn't have anybody talk about this. I said, oh, you see that lady over there? You see that gentleman over there? I said, why don't you go and talk to them about that subject? Why? Because mm-hmm. I know they're very diverse in it, yeah. and they would, you'll do good. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then it's kind of neat because like a lot of your first timers now are getting so many first timers. It's just amazing. Where before, you know, first timers, you'd see a little bit, not too much. But I'd say in the last seven years or something, it's just been crazy. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, some people ask me, you know, what would you contribute that to? And I'll have to say, you know, we've, we've formed groups. You know, we had the membership committee, which Ed Chavarria mm-hmm. uh, established. And he asked me to be on it. And I was on it for 10 years before I decided I need, we needed fresh blood and I stepped down and, and Pablo stepped in. Yeah, in Pablo's place. awesome. Well, he's awesome because he knows you know he knows different languages. Mm-hmm. And the problem with the original membership group, we'd have to find people to to help I remember us that interpret. The translation this. was always a bottleneck because if you're dealing with someone in Central America, South America, parts of Europe, or wherever, uh, and you don't you don't speak the language, it's really difficult to give them the support they need. Oh, it is. You know, and when we had a we had a French application come in, we just looked at each other and go. Who are we going to get us to translate this in English? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, so now what's nice is because we've got a system down and then, you know, um, Monica come on to the committee and, you know, they really have done a lot to, to streamline the project and do stuff. So now membership can go really smooth. They've mm-hmm. got a really, they just got a great system down, you know, and so... Uh, where before you would send in an application, it would it all be done by mail. Then it would, and we'd always have to we we would then have someone review it. Then we'd have another pair of eyes review it. So mm-hmm. and when and the general rule is is like if you're if your applicant is in California, 
if any of the board or the committee members are on that in that state, mm-hmm. they can't review it. Sure. So you'd have to go, okay, Johnny, you're going to do this one, and then you know maybe Cody Black would be the second, or so forth, and it and it would take so much time because we'd have to mail it. Yeah. yeah. And then you'd have to have a video, and then somebody wouldn't have the video right because mm-hmm. then we because back in the day we had. VH, they were doing it on video cassettes. Mm-hmm. Somebody would send us beta cassettes. Yeah. They were like, well, and you'd have to mail this? it from one member to the yeah, next. Yeah, and you'd right? have to mail it. And it. It would take so much time. Yeah. Where now it's like they've, you know, it's digitally uploaded. Mm-hmm. It's all the, it's all in, you know, the they've got it so that all the paperwork's digitally uploaded. I mean, it's just really a slick system now. So when I applied, it was kind of like the transition of a, a, a box full or like a giant thing full of stuff in the mail and okay, try to do as much of this as you can digital, maybe mail one or two things if you have to. Yeah. But yeah, when it was kind of switching from like the analog to the digital right, system. Right, we were we had that rough period and once we got it all ironed out, is right before I left, we were just getting that cuff on getting it all digital and you know nowadays you know i watch pablo and he just runs it and goes really well with it Mm -hmm. you know and and sometimes he'll have questions on on an english translation i'm like oh that just means this and he goes okay and you know no big deal um you know but you see that but then we had other other committees made like the outreach and the social media Mm -hmm. and where i saw from a an owner standpoint the social media i think i have to give kudos to them because before you'd have people come in and you know you would have your your jewelry and you know you would pierce people and it was like you know you would be trying to sell them this top end jewelry you know if it's from a nata metal or if it's from industrial strength or you know quasali or you know body gems bvla i mean you know you've you've got this beautiful display you've really sweated on and got it all looking nice mm-hmm. and you know and then you know, you always get that. It's too expensive. Oh, that's way out of my price league. Why would I want to go with that? How yeah. come? How come the shop down the street does the piercing and the jewelry and everything for twenty bucks? And you know, and you have to sit there and go through your spiel and your sales spiel. And it was always hard. It was like it always seemed like an uphill battle. And you know, you were just like, oh, oh, oh. And then it seemed like when the APP social media kind of took a hold and was putting members stuff out there, um, you started in, the members were like hashtagging neo metal, neo metal culture, neo metal, you know, or anatometal or, you know, IS or body gym. Then it was kind of interesting because what a swing I saw was you had people coming in asking for Pacific companies. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they wanted to know if this was, you know, where's was, your body vision section? Right. Stuff like you know, that. they say, what's yeah. from body visions? And I, I only, I'm only going to buy body vision. And, you know, I said, well, I've got some BVLA and body visions. They're very good companies, you know, but they were, since they've seen so much social media on that, that's what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And they usually have a, a piece that they wanted. And so a lot of times you'd have to inform them, well, we're a small shop. We would have to special order that for you. And then sometimes it work out, you special order it, and then they just love it because the next thing you know, they're doing another special order. Mm-hmm. But it was always kind of funny. And then you'd see how they put, you know, it, I think of most people debauchery, uh, anatometal. Mm-hmm. It was always like, can you, do you carry anatom, yeah, meaty? Yeah. And I was like... Anametals. And you'd be like, yeah. uh, uh. And you're like, are you doing that? You know, not a metal? They're like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's, but it, you know, you saw that, and that, you know, that came out of input from conference. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why you know membership committee was made. We had an outreach committee made. You know, those that that was an in, and people don't realize that that's all volunteer system. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like no one gets paid on those committees right. it's very you know you're doing your job on top of doing volunteering yeah you work you your know? 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week and then you do this other stuff 
when you get home or in the morning or yeah it, you know. and it gave like i know being on the membership committee it could be taxing sometimes because sometimes you you would get waves of applications so sometimes you'd go a couple of months and have nothing and then all of a sudden you had 20 applications mm-hmm. and you'd be like wow and then you know we'd split them up and get them going and you know and you had to find your time to get that and then you would have to run down to the post office mail it off you know it, it was you know it would take some time and then you know, it's like a lot of people don't realize conference committee. Conference committee. Once this conference is over, they're they're at it. Yeah. I mean, they're basically running to get next year's conference going. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like so. You know, it's a good time for people to uh, you know get the get their input in because it's you know it's really important. I mean, it's uh, you know, and then to me, it's like when I first was in this business. I mean, your your jury options were like minimal. Mm-hmm. And now you go on that vendor floor, and I mean, I'm just amazed. Right, it knocks me out. You know, because I remember when the, the when the naval when the Jim Naval Curve barbell came out. I mean, that was that was like you know that was the stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, it was like well, now it's kind of like you know I know in our area we don't hardly do any navels. I mean, it's all nose and ears. You yeah. know, now you go on the floor and you see all the new little stuff for years, and you know you're just like, wow, look at this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you know. And, and then and coming on the other flip side on on tool methods, you know, where everybody was really taught with tools, and then now you know it's kind of glided to you know doing kind of a semi freehand tools, or then now you have some people that just do freehand, mm-hmm. you know. Now you have, you know, it's like uh, you know, and then from that area, it's like you know Becky Deal, uh, she formed a uh, piercing group in our area, and you know, and I remember one time she asked me if I could have it at the shop, and I said sure, come on up, you know, and. And I remember showing her, you know, they were trying to fight for a topic to talk about in the group. And I said, well, who modifies their needles? And, you know, and everybody was like, what? I go, well, who, who crushes their needles or mm-hmm. modifies them to make them pierce faster? And I said, especially like bigger gauge if you're doing genital piercings. Yeah. And, you know, and they're like, oh, I've never seen that. So, you know, we, we went down and showed them a demonstration on, you know, basically, you know, crushing your needle. And I know Becky's always been improving that. Right. Did a great presentation on it. Yeah. Done, you know, and it's great. And then, you know, when people try it, they come back, oh, my God, have you tried this yet? Mm-hmm. It's like, this is amazing. And then, you know, and I'm always, you know, pumping the APP all the time. You know, it's like, you know, for LD scholars, you know, I had I had a guest spot, Angie, that guest spotted with me. And she's like, oh, I'd love to go to con- you know conference. I just don't know. I, if I can't afford it, and I said, well, become an LD scholar. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what? I go, well, you basically you apply for this, in the, you know, for, for the scholarship. And then basically what it does is it pays for your way to conference. And how you repay it is you volunteer through, you know, doing the stuff like sitting on the door or help selling merch or, you know, doing being a runner or doing other things for somebody. And I said, you know, it's a balance. I said, you know, and I said, it's a good way to get your foot in the door. And then you get to see the behind the scenes of how much work it actually takes to put on this conference. Yeah. People just, I don't think, realize how much work the, no. these volunteers do. I think people and come it, to a conference like this and they, they they know that stuff's getting done, but they don't know that it's someone volunteering their time and not somebody, like, getting paid. Right. I mean, they, you know, a lot of people think, you know, that I, you know I, I've talked to a lot of people when they come. And it's, it's kind of nice to talk to first-timers, you know, and it's like the first-timer badges you can see. And that's really kind of nice because then you can sit there and say, how's your conference? How are you doing? And, you, know, and, you know, and sometimes they'll be like, oh, I, I wasn't expecting this or I wasn't expecting that. I, I remember one time, a first-timer, she, she was literally shaking and shaking so badly. 
because she wanted to meet Elaine Angel mm-hmm. and was just so scared to introduce herself. And, and it was so funny because Elaine was just walking right down and she's describing this to me. And I said, well, I can help you out on that. And I sit there and I, I asked, I just called Elaine over and she came over and I said, and I just introduced the two and, you know, and you, this girl was just like, oh my God, oh my God. And, and, and I could tell Elaine knew that she, you know, was so gratified to meet her. And I just kept stepping back a little bit more, a little bit more. And then I just kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those two just went off and next, you know, they, you know, I, as far as I know, they're probably BFFs, but, you know, it was just funny that you have people come in. I've had people that were nervous to meet Luis Garcia and, you know, and I said, oh, he's right there. Come with me. Mm-hmm. And they're like, really? You can, I go, oh, he's a... That's always a really nice experience for someone because it it breaks down that barrier where it doesn't make them think, you know, it's it's them and me. They just think it's it's us, you know, and I'm just part of the same group. Well, I just think to me it's like, you know, but I guess I've never been starstruck. So I've never been afraid to talk to anybody. Sure. So it's funny to me. It's like, why would you think that that person would yell at you or be mean to you? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they're, you know... You know, I, I don't know everybody I've ever met at conference has always been the greatest. Yeah. And to me, every time I come to conference, it's just like, it's just, to me, joyful. Mm-hmm. You know, because then you get to meet your vendors. You get to meet your vendors because you get to place a face, you know, with that order person. Or you get to meet, you know, like, you know, Natamet will always like meeting Barry. You know, and it's like you get to, you know, in, you know converse with him and his staff. And, and then, you know, you get to meet other people that you maybe don't know their company mm-hmm. so you know you ask questions you know it's like well okay you sell gold okay you sell threadless okay are the pins gold or are they steel you know are they titanium you know well do you experience breakery you know how do you you experience any of them breaking off mm-hmm. let's say above five millimeters do you have a policy that you don't make anything threadless above five millimeters and you know, it's like, you know, what's your return policy? Do you have a fix-it policy? What's your fix-it policy? Mm-hmm. Will, you, will you fix your own product? You know, will, you know, and, you know, it's just uh, things that you, well, from a, from my standpoint, being a shop owner, you ask because you've ran into those problems where I've had vendors here one day and gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have that piece come back and it broke. And now it's like, well, who do I go to fix this? Yeah. And then you have to reach out to another vendor, and you usually with that relationship you have, they say, "Okay, Darren, I'll fix that person's piece of crap, and you'll you'll be grateful." And I'm like, you know, it's not crap; it's a nice piece of jewelry, but you know, it's just they they want to rub in a little bit that I didn't use their jewelry, yeah, and I just yeah. go, "Okay, but thank you for helping me out." And you know, and they fix it, and it does a great job, and you know, you go from there. But it, it just the camaraderie you have, and and just the relationship. I mean. I can remember your first year and, you know, and basically I met you through my, at the, you know, at my time I was, you know, apprenticing Tiana mm-hmm. and she introduced me to you and, you know, and, and she's been always a volunteer and, you know, a long time and, you know, I've learned a lot of things through her, which, you know, helped me a lot because from the age I am and from where I come from, it's, you know, you're coming into a community that's very diverse. Yeah. And so, to me, it was very hard being a straight guy going into an area where you've got, I mean, a, just a collectic of, right. you know, Bay sexuality to, I mean, you know, so, and it was always hard to where I'm glad that I've got Tiana that is, you know, she'll say queer or mm-hmm. she'll, and she'll 
help me with that going you know with the pronoun things mm-hmm. and with the thing she goes no this is how you do that this is how you know there and that that would be incorrect and, yeah you know and then as i meet people here like seven and stuff and i can talk to them a little bit about it and they can educate me some more mm-hmm. and then you know i meet some other people and i talk to them and go am i doing this right and they're like well you'd be better if you did it this way sure or you be and you're like okay got well, it. well that's another got good it. thing about this community <clears throat> is just like you know, you always want to step up your game for sterilization and jewelry. You also want to step up your game for inclusivity and all these other things with different uh, communities that can be underserviced at times and all that. So it's really important to, to, to stay open-minded to all that and get all the new experiences from that diversity. Right. And, you know, me, you know, I, I came from being, you know, I'm a tattoo artist first. You know, then I became a piercer. You know, then it's like, okay, I can dabble a little bit of scarification, you know, dabble in a little bit of branding. But in my area, you just didn't have scarification or branding. Right. So it was like, you know, not that. Suspension came along, did a lot of suspension work, you know, with Steve Joyner. And, you know, I'm a part of CORE in the Oakland area and stuff. So, you know, that, that you know, really opened my eyes as well to a lot of stuff. But, you know, I would say body piercing has opened up my learning experience the most. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when I meet with more, let's say, tattooists, they're like, oh, my God, and they'll just, they, they just rattle off a, a bitch list. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, well, you got to realize this. And then I talk to them about it, and they're like, you know, you got to see this point of view. And some do, and some don't. And you're not going to force that guy to open his eyes. Mm-hmm. So you just leave it as is. Like, yeah. okay, well, if you want to be closed-minded, then you're going to be closed-minded. But I would rather be open-minded and learn to grow because I think that will make me a better person. Yeah. And then in, in the long run, I can be more sympathetic. I can be a more understanding. And I can maybe sell that person something better because now I understand them and what they're, what they're you know, kind of if they're in a transition or if they're, you know, their situation or, you know, maybe what they were trying to do or accomplish. I can go, okay, you know, maybe this is a better way to go. Here, You know, there's two options. Yeah. You know? and, and then they come in and like it because... You know, we try to make it so our doors open to anybody. You know, and we've had people come in and kind of be like, oh, you let them in here? And I go, what do you mean them? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, no one's them in here. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I right. I usually set that boundary really quick. And some people will be like, whoa. It's like, In my well, shop too. Like, it, it's just, I don't let people get away with being Right. It's like, you're not going to disrespectful to yeah. this, you know, person just mm-hmm. because they're going they've got their journey to go on right you know and that's the way i look at a lot of times it's a journey i have my journey and i'm doing my journey and i've been through trials and tribulations and i you know and it's what made me the person i am today Mm -hmm. and you know and that's what i feel they're on their journey to do what they're going to do in life and to have you try to belittle them or or make them feel uncomfortable i'm sorry i'm i'm not into that i'm I want to I want to treat people just like I want to be treated. Mm-hmm. So you know that's where I've had people come in and they've been nice. Hello. Sorry, I didn't come there. No, now is okay. Okay. We'll probably but, uh, actually have to start wrapping it up in a little bit anyway. Yeah. So. But um, I've lost my train of thought. Uh, I think you were talking about just diversity and how to encourage it. Yeah, it's you know it's one of those things where you just sit there and. Do your best because 
you know, I, it, it's not fun to be made fun of. So it's like I try to teach, I try to treat people like I treat myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be traded nice and I, I expect niceness to be reciprocated. Yeah. When people start to be nasty, I get nasty. When mm-hmm. people start getting bitchy, I get bitchy. When right. they get, when they want to, you know, they want to get, they want to get hardcore. Sure, I'll get hardcore. Let's step outside, dude. <laughs> you know, it's like let's go. Yeah. You know, and they're like, whoa, like yeah, no, you're not gonna, you know, it's yeah. like no, we're not having this. Right. So, right. you know, I well, I that's good. That. I, sometimes people they might think that tattoo shops are not going to be the kind of place that would support diversity and, and different cultures and all that stuff but I, I think that's another thing that I really love about our industry is a, a lot of shop owners really go out of their way to kind of nurture that environment well and it's it's one of the things it's like when I have tattoo artists talk to me about well I was thinking about bringing piercing into my business mm-hmm. and I said well when you do that you stop being a tattoo shop yeah you now become a retail shop mm-hmm. and things change yeah and you know before you do that step you you know you probably should come to conference you should probably do this you know and you give them some steps before you really make that jump mm-hmm. why because the ones that don't do that those are the ones i find like they're like oh, i ain't making enough money oh this is crap this is just i'm out of here get them out of here and it's like well that's because you kept treating it like a tattoo shop yeah. and not a piercing studio yeah. or really you became a retail store mm-hmm. you know so it's different it's yeah. a whole different atmosphere mm-hmm. you know everybody you know it's like i hate to tell you you know it's like you know wearing that holy dirty shirt is not going to yeah. work you know well i think that's why you've been so successful because you haven't just looked at you haven't had tunnel vision where you're just like, okay, this, I'm only gonna deal with the same clientele forever, and I'm never gonna grow or change or do anything. And I, I've, you know, I've seen the different iterations of your business and all the staff that you've had come through there, and just like with the growth of it, you wouldn't really be able to have that kind of growth unless you were always trying to look forward as to what the future of the industry is and how you can be a leader in it. Right. Well, I've been very fortunate too with with having very talented staff mm. you know i mean i you know tiana's been fabulous i've got shauna you know i've got steve joiner mm-hmm. you know i've got zach on the tattoo side i got nicole on the tattoo side i got myself you know it, you know it, it's just you have such a, a well-rounded and then i have pablo that comes in mm-hmm. so it's like you've got you know it's like okay you know it's like it's kind of funny because it's like well i've you know, people that speak Spanish come in, you know, and then they know Wednesday's his day, yeah. you know, and it's like, cool. And, you know, and so and then I have people that, you know, Steve's here Thursday. Yeah. And Steve has his clients, you mm-hmm. know, and then I have Shauna that has her clients and I have Tana that has her clients and then I have my clients. And it's kind of, I just been very fortunate and blessed that way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because, yes, I've kept an open mind and I, you know, it's like I, I hopefully I can keep continuing to grow because, you know, I, I think this industry is just fabulous to be in. Yeah. I mean, I think, it you know, I, people say, what would you say was being the one most thing that enriched your life? I'd say being a piercer. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it, it's a very interesting journey to go on. And if you're acceptable to it, it's really rewarding. Yeah. And I think you'll you'll really have a great time with it. That's great. So. That's great. Well, uh, so I I would just like to say thank you, you know, because that you've you've been this constant face every time I'm at conference. You know, you're always there and you're always working, and yeah. you've always been really generous. When it, whenever I've been out in the Bay Area, you know, you let me do seminars at your studio, and I remember kind of going there years and years ago and hanging out with Tiana and all that yeah. stuff. So you know, thanks. You know, you're you've welcome. been a you've been a real big influence on on my career and in the industry. I'm glad. So. I'm glad. So uh, one more time, where's your where's your shop located, and what's the social media for it? Oh, um, well, my shop again is Blue Star Tattoos and Body Piercing. It's in Concord, California. 
Uh, it's about 27 miles outside of San Francisco, coming east. Um, social media, basically, where I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, what are we on? We're on Snapchat. We're, we're, I think we're on every social media you can think of. But and it's always Blue Star Tattoos. If okay. we can one way or spelling or another, but you can always find us if you go to our our website at bluestartattoos.com. We do have our social media links on it, mm-hmm. so, and then we have our staff on it and stuff like that. All right, great. All right. Thanks. Thanks for taking some time. I know it's a busy week. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks for talking to me, Darren. I always appreciate getting the perspective of someone who's been in the industry for so long. Uh, As I'm recording this, this is probably, I don't know, two or three weeks before this episode comes out. Trying to get a couple of things uh, recorded early so I don't have to stress when when I come back from trips and stuff. Dallas and Amsterdam, still haven't done those yet. Uh, So I I don't like having to come home and catch up on the shop, catch up on emails from clients, and then try to shoehorn in a a podcast episode. So trying to record these a couple of weeks out if I can while I still have the content. Uh, At this point, I am starting to run a little bit low on those conference interviews that I did. So hopefully uh, I'll find some time uh, in Dallas and Amsterdam to, to get a couple more interviews recorded. But I'm going to be getting to a point soon where I'm going to need more content again. So uh, if you know someone who you would like to see interviewed on the show, or if you have subject matter for the show that you would like to see discussed, again, you can go to uh, piercingwizard.com and you can check out the uh, anonymous Google submission form. Tell me who I should be talking to, what we should be talking about, or you can just go ahead and email me at ryanpba at gmail.com. Go ahead and sign up for those classes. I'm doing the Baltimore area. I'm doing the Chicago area at the end of the summer. Uh, And then I'm going to start getting into my fall classes. I got Florida and a couple others that are kind of in the the early stages. Um, So thanks for tuning in. I'm going to be back next week with an interview with someone, but uh, I don't know who yet. Thanks for listening. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.